Hello, g'day and welcome. I'm Party Parslow and this is Party in China. Series 2, episode 13. I think I've lost count. After travelling for 40 hours or so, I think I'd lost count. I was still in Beijing airport, scared to miss my next flight and tried to stay awake by diarising the experience. So, I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray. I checked in for the evening flight to Lian Yungang and went to the gate to wait for the plane to be late. Which it was, of course. There I lapsed into a kind of semi-coma. A similar feeling to when you're lying in bed in the morning and haven't quite woken up yet. In Diang, some sort of merchant passed by my window at six every morning on his tricycle cart, with a loud recording that advertised whatever he was selling. In my not-yet-awake delirium, it always sounded like... Roland's gay, so's his brother, but don't tell their mother. The same sort of thing was happening now. Between nodding off and jerking awake, my brain kept remodelling snatches of Mandarin and I thought I heard things like, I'm Samoan with dear Uncle Jita. When you're young, you need nil by mouth. I don't want his blood, he's fat. Sit down on your special bone. It's better when you've got your legs happening. You know, only dogs know that. It's hip to be square. Oh, no, wait. That was Huey Lewis on the music. The flight was only 40 or 50 minutes late and it only took a couple of hours, which I spent in a continuous trance-like state. At the Lian Yungang airport carousel, mine was the first bag out. First bag out. First bag out. So... Positive affirmation does work. It just took a lot longer than I'd expected. I heard a woman's voice calling party and recognised Summer from our Skype chats. I'd been called Mr. Party for so long it sounded a bit strange. Summer was with a man she didn't introduce. I assumed he was her husband, but he turned out to be the headmaster, or one of them. There seemed to be a few and the hierarchy was never made clear to me. It was still raining heavily as I loaded my saturated bags into the boot of their car and went to take the baggage trolley back into the terminal, but Summer took it from me and pushed it out into the middle of the road, saying, Someone else will do that, which I think is the last line of the Chinese national anthem. As we drove along, I took comfort in the fact that the roads were comparatively empty. Whether due to the storms or the fact that I'd miraculously found an uncrowded part of China, it seemed like a good omen. But soon, we were on a divided highway and a huge truck came screaming down our side of the road in what we in the West would call the wrong direction. Still, a quick swerve into the roadside bushes avoided any fatalities and we were soon on our way again. Summer asked if I was hungry, but I was too tired to remember. Nevertheless, we went to a restaurant where I ate unexpectedly delicious prawn cutlets, 
while all the waiters and kitchen staff stood around watching me. Despite many searches and inquiries, I never found that restaurant or those delicious prawn cutlets again, so I may have dreamt that part. As we approached my new apartment, in a building literally opposite the school gate, oh joy, Summer explained that I would be teaching the next day from 8am until midnight. My protests that I wouldn't be able to stay awake anything like that long were ignored amid smiles and nods. I later realised she'd meant noon, not midnight, but I still have no actual memory of that first day at Aston School, although records reveal I taught five classes. I'm sure I was great. While they were proudly showing me my small, grotty apartment, I realised I was too exhausted to continue being polite and urgently ushered Summer and the still unnamed man out the front door. All I wanted was to use the loo and then sleep. I had considered trying them the other way around, but then was concerned that they might occur simultaneously. However, my descent to the convenience must have been too sudden because the plastic seat snapped in three places. Beneath the upper left buttock, lower right buttock and mid right buttock. Obviously, China's bathroom suppliers do not take into account the physical needs of an hefty gentleman. For weeks, until I bought a toilet seat cover, every time I'd stand up, I'd cop at least one painful pinch on the arse. It made me feel like a secretary on Mad Men. Although I'd been told I'd be working at Aston Lianyun Gang, I was actually in a place within Lianyun Gang called Ganyu. The place the Aston website had described, by the sea, fun in the sun, a vibrant tourist destination with lots of nightlife, was another school in Xingpu, 45 minutes drive away in a more central part of Lianyun Gang. Obviously, Yanyu was much nearer to the ocean than Sichuan, but it wasn't, as I'd imagined, on the coast. I'd hoped to be able to see the sea from my apartment, and I suppose I could on Google Maps. The apartment was literally less than a minute from the school door to door, a convenience I exploited as time went on, with the other teachers holding sweeps on how close to the start of a lesson I'd appear. Summer was my boss, not the headmistress, but clearly in charge, efficient and enthusiastic. She couldn't have been nicer, but also couldn't organise a regular roster. I don't think I ever worked the same shifts two weeks in a row. But Summer was delightful. She was intelligent, in her 30s, attractive, and having lived and worked in the Middle East, knew something of the real world, or at least knew that China wasn't it. The other teachers were all female and all in their early to mid-twenties. Betty is one of the prettiest women I've ever known. Not super modelish, not perfect in any way, but her imperfections somehow made her even prettier. She has very good English and also studied Japanese at university, hoping to live and work there someday. Highly unusual, as most of her countrymen despise 
their neighbours across the Yellow Sea. Ronna is lovely, generous, smart and far more attractive than she believes as she's cursed with recurring acne and thinks that that's all anybody else sees. Not that surprising really as I often heard the other teachers making pimple jokes at her expense, which would be considered cruel and discourteous in any Western society, but which always provoked gales of laughter amongst teachers and students, which Ronna joined in. Ronna was very kind and helpful to me and she and Betty swiftly became my closest Chinese friends in Ganyu. Amy, spelt E-M-M-Y but pronounced Amy, is gorgeous with a special feminine grace in her movements. She was always helpful whenever I needed something but we didn't become friends. One of these four teachers would always assist me in class. A huge improvement on flying solo in Diang. Another improvement was that I never had more than 15 students in a class and usually it'd be no more than eight or 10. Aston Ganyu was, and for all I know still is, a small school. You walked through the gates into the playground, which was also the car park, so there was usually no room for the kids to play. Turn right, go up a couple of steps, and you were in a lobby with a reception desk and a glass-walled office for allegedly private conversations. On the right were some stairs, which took you to an upper classroom, that's the largest one, and some offices no one ever seemed to use, although somebody had set up a double bed in one of them. On the left were three more classrooms, one kitted out as a kindergarten. The upstairs classroom had a projector, but the most modern technology in the other classrooms was a blackboard and chalk. Behind the reception were a couple of storerooms with uh, bottles of water and a kettle. You still couldn't drink tap water. The loos were around the back of the stairs, but I preferred just to go home as it would have felt strange to stand at a urinal with students. Apart from in kindergarten, Aston had their own textbooks with each lesson clearly set out and usually easy to teach. At first, I diligently prepared lesson plans, but as the class I prepared for was rarely the same class as the class one of my colleagues led me into next, I soon dropped that as wasted effort. For a few months, I was the only foreign teacher at Aston. I was contracted to teach 20 hours a week, but in the first three weeks did that plus 37 hours of overtime. That'd be almost 200 half hour lessons, but the older students had 40 minutes, sometimes 55 minute lessons. So let's estimate a total of around 50 lessons a week. No wonder August is pretty much a blur. Although one memory from August is clear, after I'd mildly complained that I'd expected to be beside the seaside, because I do like to be beside the sea, I'd complained in song, an excursion to the beach was arranged for my first day off. Two carloads of people, mainly strangers to me, but I recognised a couple of headmasters and several students, headed off early one morning. Pretty Betty was in the back seat of my crowded car, translating and explaining as we went. One thing she didn't explain was when our driver, whom I think 
was yet another headmaster, suddenly pulled off the highway opposite a car park crowded with tourist coaches. Now this was not a safe place to stop and he ran across the wide road through swerving, blaring traffic. After just a few minutes, he serpentined back again across the six-lane highway, grabbed a handful of tissues from the glove box and then risked death once more to disappear around one of the coaches. He seemed happier and relaxed when he came back. I'm still not sure if he was crapping or wanking behind a bus over there. Soon after that peculiar incident, we drove over a very long weir, or perhaps a really, really, really low bridge, to a nearby island and arrived at a traffic bottleneck. It was caused by a toll booth and I was told to hand over 50 yuan. You had to buy a ticket to go to the beach. Outrageous! Thereafter, we found a parking spot and walked down a few hundred wooden stairs to quite a cute little beach. I never learnt the name of the island, but the beach was called Sumawang. It reminded me of some Sydney harbour beaches, small, no waves and dark green water. Pretty Betty told me this was the nicest beach in Lian Yungang, if not all of Jiangsu. Nah. The women were all wearing hats, scarves, ponchos, sunglasses, anything at all to stop the slightest sunlight reaching their skin. The men were poncing around in speedo-style swimmers. Once again, my board shorts were the object of considerable amusement and many photographs. Lovely Ronna was more courageous than the other females, or perhaps less concerned about her acne-afflicted skin, and came for a swim with me. Well, she walked waist deep into the water. I was the only one on the whole beach who actually went swimming. And I was wrong about there being no waves. There were some very swift little ones whenever the jet skis roared past my bobbing head. Back on the beach, pretty Betty asked me what I would need to be happy in Ganyu. I replied that I needed a girlfriend. At least one, I added, which got a good laugh when she translated. She then went on to recite the familiar refrain. She couldn't be my girlfriend as she was 26 and needed to be married by 30 and couldn't afford to waste a year with a boyfriend who wasn't a likely husband. Fair enough, but who asked her? Apart from the ticket I'd been so outraged to purchase, I brought home quite a few other souvenirs from my day at the beach. A few dozen small red rings with white pinpoints in the centre all over my arms and abdomen. They lasted for several weeks, so that was nice. On the evening after our day at the beach, I was trying to count all the little red rings on my body when insistent knocking and incomprehensible yelling came from the stairwell. I opened the door to find an ageing Chinese man who pushed past me, went into my bathroom and, from my viewpoint in the lounge, appeared to put his head in my toilet. I'll tell you why in the next episode of Party in China. I'm Party Parslow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.